Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. This is Brad Lambert from Team Finland. I'm Oscar Olesen from Team Sweden. Hey, this is Dylan Grand. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team. Dion Mishak. Fabian Lucell. Cole Perfetti. Hey, it's Jake Sampson. I play for Team USA. Major Junior. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters. Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. This is John Gunther of the Emerson Oil Kings. NCAA. Hey, this is Noah Hannafin from Boston College. Hey, it's Troy Terry from the Denver Pioneers. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. It's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. The NHL Draft. U.S. Lovkovsky from TPS. Hey, this is Kevin Krasinski of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, guys, it's Cutter Goche from the U.S. National Team. Hi, it's Matt Savoy with the Winnipeg Ice. Hey, this is Sarah Manzel from Shaska High School. Nessa Goche, I play for the Quebec Ramparts. This is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion. Hey, it's Dylan James from the Sioux City Musketeers. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. And more. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. And this is the Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show, which is always brought to you by our title sponsor. That is Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best, best beef jerky you've darn well ever had. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada by going to wilhockbeefjerky.com. That's W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. Or if you're in the Edmonton area, three locations for you, Leduc, Spruce Grove, or the new kiosk in West Edmonton Mall, Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name's Keith Flaming. I appreciate all of you stopping by. Let's get right to the show as I'm late. It's uh, Saturday as I'm uh, recording this right now, and usually the show will come out on a Friday. A little bit behind, and then we had an Oil King game last night. Had a couple of uh, late cancellations for interviews this week, uh, so we're having to uh, call an audible and call in some favors. I'll tell you who's coming on this week's show momentarily, but let's get right to the uh, CHL news and the NCAA notes and all the junior stuff in between as well. The CHL top 10 coming into this weekend's play. And this is interesting because we already know there's probably going to be a change at the top. Uh, but number one coming into the weekend for week 16, the Winnipeg Ice, followed by Quebec, Seattle, Halifax, Ottawa, Portland, Sherbrooke, Windsor, North Bay, and Kamloops, the number 10 team. Honorable mentions this week go to Red Deer, Gatineau, and the London Knights. And the reason I say we know there'll be a change, well, usually the number one team loses and uh, they won't be number one next week. And that was the case Friday night as the Lethbridge Hurricanes defeated the Winnipeg Ice in WHL action. So I won't be surprised to see Winnipeg not in the number one spot, but we'll see if the whoever votes on this uh, agrees or not. Top scores in the queue as we move from east to west. A couple of Halifax Mooseheads leading the way. Jordan Dume has... 82 points, and Alex Doucette has 76. They're followed by a couple of Quebec Ramparts players, forwards Zachary Bolduc with 74 points, and Theo Rochette with 72. And then another Moosehead is Josh Lawrence coming in fifth place with 68 points. Sliding over to the Ontario Hockey League, and uh, Ty Voigt is still leading the way for all OHL players. He has 66 points, plays for the Sarnia Sting. Windsor Spitfires forward, Matthew Maggio has 64 points. Ottawa's Logan Morrison used to be with uh, Kingston. He's got 62. So does Matt V. Petrov of the North Bay Battalion. And uh, Red Hot Colby Barlow has 61 points. So does Kyle Jackson. Uh, So those two are tied for fifth in OHL scoring. Jackson plays for North Bay with Petrov. And leading everybody in the CHL, is uh, Connor Bedard. He has 81 points, and he has a huge lead in the WHL. 16-point gap now uh, from him down to Zach Benson, who's having an um, outstanding season. He has 65 points, and Logan Stankoven has 64 points. He's only played 28 games, which is five fewer than Bedard and uh, nine fewer than Benson. Kai Uchaz of the Red Deer Rebels, just one goal shy of uh, Bedard at the top. And overall, he has 63 points. Andrew Crystal has 62. So does Cohen Zemer of the Prince George Cougars. Crystal plays for Kelowna. So if not for Bedard, it's a really tight race uh, in the WHL. 
only five points separating Benson in the number two spot from Riley Height in the number seven spot. Only five points difference. Hey, let's jump over to the CJHL and the uh, top 20 rankings. Let's do the top 10 as there's been a bit of a change. The uh, Battleford's North Stars fall out of the number one spot down to four. The new number one team are the Cobras from Terrebonne out in Quebec. The Toronto Junior Canadians are now number two as they jump past the Brooks Bandits who hold firm at three. Then it's Battleford's, Collingwood, Ottawa, the Greater Sudbury Cubs, the Spruce Grove Saints, Yarmouth, and the Portage Terriers are at number 10. In the BCHL, which now doesn't uh, come under the CJHL umbrella, the uh, Penticton Vs have only lost three games all year. If they were still part of the CJHL, they would definitely be in that top four, top five mix, uh, dominating the BCHL this season. Your top scorers in the USHL continue to be members of the Chicago Steel. Jack Harvey has 45 points in 35 games. Max Celebrini, he was already getting hype as the number one pick in the 2024 NHL draft. Uh, he has 42 points, as does teammate Michael Emerson. I'm sorry, he has 40 points, does Emerson. Cole Knubel, who had a four-point night on Friday with the Fargo Force, he's got 39 points, and uh, Ryan Walsh from Cedar Rapids has 39 as well. Miko Matika, who's been in the top five for most of the season, he and Nick Moldenauer are right there. They have 38 points, but just a hair back uh, from that top five. In the NAHL, the uh, the Nulls scoring leader right now is Dave Andrichuk from the Northeast Generals. 54 points, and there's a big gap down to his teammate, Paul Minahan, who has 47. Andrichuk, absolutely on fire. I think I looked it up. He's got 21 points in his last 10 outings. Might be a guy I have to get on the show fairly soon. Hunter Longhe or Longhai from Minot has 45. Another Northeast General, Jake LaRusso, has 42, as does Christian Catalano, who you heard on the show here this season, plays for Maryland. He has 42, and Aiden Weston also. With 42 points, he's up in Anchorage. And lastly, your top scorers in the NCAA. We'll get to the pairwise rankings in a second, but uh, going by the scores, a couple of Canadians in the top three. Ryan McAllister leads everybody still. He's got 40 points, but hasn't uh, hit the score sheet in the last couple outings, I don't think, for Western Michigan, so the gap is closed. Austin Swankler's only two points back. He plays for Bowling Green, and then Adam Fantilli actually leads everybody in terms of points per game. He has 37 points in 21 outings, uh, playing for the Michigan Wolverines. Then you've got Colin Graff from Quinnipiac, Jason Poland, who's a teammate of McAllister's at Western Michigan. Uh, he has 35. Lots of buzz about Poland being a high-interest free agent out of uh, the NCAA this year. Interestingly, the top five scorers in the NCAA, none of them have an NHL affiliation just yet. Now, Fantilli draft eligible this year. That will definitely change. But McAllister, Swankler, Graf, and Poland, all free agents. Uh, and lastly, the pairwise rankings, and this is after Friday night games. So this is absolutely up to date. The Minnesota Golden Gophers, the number one team, uh, followed by St. Cloud, Quinnipiac, Penn State, and Boston University. Denver, Michigan, Ohio State, Western Michigan, and Cornell is number 10. Harvard, Michigan Tech, Minnesota State, Notre Dame, RIT, and Connecticut, that's your top 16. Now, 16 teams make the NCAA tournament, and that's based on the pairwise. However, there are six automatic bids, one for each conference champ, and quite often that's uh, going to, one of those goes to the champion from the Atlantic Conference, who normally aren't in the top 16. Not the case this year. RIT is right there at number 15. So assuming they go on and become their uh, conference champion, it could be the top 16 teams this year. Now, again, that all depends on the other conferences. Somebody that's currently in the top 16 winning their conference. So like Michigan Tech would have to win the CCHA. They're the, the top-ranked team out of that conference. Minnesota State, though, is right there, too. So as long as it's one of those two teams. The Big Ten, well-represented with uh, Minnesota and Penn State in the top five. And, of course, Michigan just sitting there at number seven. Ohio State is eight. So the you know, Big Ten is covered. The NCHC is covered. Hockey East has Boston University at the top. And Cornell and Harvard are 10 and 11, representing the ECAC. So the top teams in uh, each conference are inside the top 16 this year. 
which I think uh, makes for a stronger tournament. We'll see if it plays out that way uh, after the conference playoffs are done. All guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The tap room in Red Deer is open. And anywhere in Alberta at any uh, of your local liquor stores, Troubled Monk beer and spirits are available. If they don't have them in stock, ask them to bring it in for you because it is available to the stores. You can go to troubledmonk.com shop and see what they have to offer. And if you happen to be at the Centrium, make sure you try to get some Rebels Red. That or the Daycation Lager. Those are probably my two favorites uh, when it comes to the craft beer. But uh, I've been trying the Saskatoon uh, Soda. For the uninitiated, it would be sort of grapeish, grape flavor, but not overpoweringly sweet, which I like. And it's a Saskatoon berry, so sort of a cousin of the grape, maybe? I don't know if they're in the same family or not. But delicious craft beverages worth sharing at Troubled Monk. Okay, here's the guest list today. I have three guests for you. We're going to start with a conversation I had with uh, Brock Otten before the CHL Top Prospect game. I picked his brain about some of the players who were going to be uh, or who were going to be playing in that event. The plan was to have Brock do a preview and then for someone else uh, to do a recap of the event. That was one of the interviews that fell through uh, late in the week. Uh, so unfortunately, I just have Brock talking about some of the guys he was looking forward to seeing. Always a great conversation, though, when Brock is on the program. Uh, from there, some supplied audio. It's a, it's a conversation that Troy Gillard, the voice of the Red Deer Rebels, uh, he had a conversation with the associate GM of that club. That would be Sean Sutter. And uh, Troy was kind enough to uh, send me that audio. So we're going to include that this week. And we'll end things off with a 2023 draft spotlight segment with a potential top 10 pick in the 2023 NHL draft. His name is Ryan Leonard. He plays for the U.S. National Development Program, headed to Boston College. Definitely a guy you need to keep tabs on this year if you're a draft junkie. So we will close things out this week by getting to know him in the final segment. Let's waste no more time. Let's get right to it. Brock Otten from McKean's Hockey. He joins me next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Back to the blue line. Wilm in the middle, broken up by Zemer. Look out. Cohen Zemer, breakaway to Hyde to Zemer. Hat-trick! Cohen Zemer, 3-1! This is Cohen Zemer with Prince George Cougars, and this is the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Uh, he fights like an old lady. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show. We're beginning this week uh, with a, a look ahead to the uh, CHL Top Prospect game, which actually goes, as I'm speaking with you right now, it's uh, Tuesday, uh, so the game will actually go tomorrow night. Uh, so by the time the full episode comes out, uh, it'll be uh, in the bank already. But uh, we're looking ahead. Joining me now is Brock Otten from McKean's Hockey. Uh, Brock, welcome back to the Pipeline Show, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me again. A pleasure to get a chance to have you on the show, at especially at a time like this. It's a big scouting showcase coming up this week here on the CHL Top Prospect Game. You're probably not making the trip out to uh, to BC for it, I'm sure. But who who are you most looking forward to seeing in a showcase event like this that maybe you haven't had a chance to watch as closely as you'd like to so far this year? Somebody like that? Yeah, definitely the WHL guys. It's such a strong group of, of players from the dub this year. Uh, being obviously in Ontario, uh, even as the scouting director for McKean's, it's always great to get more views on, on the WHL guys, especially at a major event, like you said, uh, like the CHL Top Prospects game. Obviously, at the Holinka Gretzky, we got a good view of them. Now we're going to get uh, another good view. The, the more that you can get in these types of high-pressure situations, uh, the better, right? So, you know, obviously Bedard is, is the main draw tonight, and it'll be interesting to see how many points he gets. I mean, uh, I think it's a matter of how many and not if. Um, but definitely some of the, the other supporting WHL guys to see how they perform. I was actually pretty disappointed to see that Andrew Crystal's going to miss the event. Mm-hmm. He was one player in particular that 
Um, I know that our Western scouts are very, very high on him at McKean's, but he's somebody that personally I feel like I don't really have the, the greatest grasp of yet. Um, so another view would, would have been great, and obviously I'll, I'll circle back to that um, in the second half and, and try to get more views of him. But I, I was definitely very disappointed that, that he's not going to play tonight. Yeah, I agree. I was looking forward to watching him in action. I know uh, the Kelowna Rockets will be coming through Edmonton in February, so I'll get a, a firsthand viewing of him then. A couple of guys who came through uh, this past week uh, through Edmonton are going to be in this game. Cohen Zemer and uh, Riley Height, both with the Prince George Cougars, and Nate Danielson with the Brandon Weekings. Uh, now, I know they're WHL guys, so maybe you, it's a similar situation for you that you don't uh, have the uh, the firmest grasp on them yet. But of those three, has anybody jumped out at you? I think of those three, I like Danielson the best. I feel like sometimes we undervalue those late birthday kids um, just because I don't know if it's like a stigma attached to it, but it's like, okay, they're slightly older. Um, and their progression and growth sometimes gets discounted, I feel like. Whereas Danielson, I feel like, plays a game that is very safe to project to the NHL level. Very well-rounded, good skater. There's really nothing missing from his game. So you know, why are we not mentioning him in the same breath as some of the high-end WHL kids? And with Zemer and, and Height, I feel like... Um, Zemer in particular, I'm, I'm always curious to see if he can make those necessary adjustments as a skater. I know that our, our Western scouts at McKean's are not the highest on his skating ability, although he has many other qualities um, that are really, really strong. So I, I would say personally from what I've seen, and I, and I know that our Western scouts feel the same way, Danielson would be my favorite of those three because I think his game is probably the most projectable um, compared to maybe some concerns of upside for the other two. Gotcha. Uh, and Danielson, a what six one and a half, two uh, hundred ish pound, or not quite two hundred pounds yet, uh, but right-handed centerman. That's a perk, right? A right-handed centerman—they always seem to be worth their weight in gold. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same as right-handed shot defenders, right? Any right. time that you've got somebody that can play a, a prime position that shoots right-handed, be it center, be it uh, a defender, uh, it's it's a rare commodity, and it, and it definitely puts a little bit more value on them as a draft eligible player as a prospect because it is hard to find those types um, and it definitely does open up a few more opportunities for you as a coach brock let's flip the script instead of talking about dub guys that you're looking forward to getting a chance to see more of tell me about the ohl guys that you know really well uh that the rest of us uh, out here will uh, finally get to see with our own eyes yeah, so the first one, I mean, that it's kind of a disappointment is that Quentin Musty's going to miss the game with a hand injury. Hmm. Um, so he's one of the big guys from the OHL this year, and he's somebody that is very polarizing. So similar to sort of Andrew Crystal, it is disappointing that he's going to miss the game. It would have been a great event to see him at. Uh, but the big draws are, are going to be Cal Ritchie. That's, that's number one. Cal, Kobe Barlow right up there. They're kind of like 1A, 1B, depending on who you're asking right now. Colby Barlow is, is a big power forward who can put the puck in the net, plays both ends of the ice, really projectable player to the NHL level, plays, I'm not going to use the word safe, um, but those types of players who can skate are big, put the puck in the net and play both ends, uh, they transition to the NHL level very, very well, and that's why you're seeing Barlow rank so highly on lists like Bob McKenzie's that just came out. So he's somebody to keep an eye on at tonight's event, or uh, tomorrow night's event for sure. Cal Ritchie. He's kind of had an up-and-down year, but he's playing for an Oshawa team that, that is sort of retooling, rebuilding, whatever phrase you want to use. He's been much better lately and obviously had a really good Holinka Gretzky Cup. And I think that he's going to have a strong performance at this event. I think he's somebody that maybe we are kind of underappreciating right now. And I think that's myself included. Every time I've seen Richie this year, I've kind of seen something different. You know, sometimes it's been not great. Sometimes it's been good. Uh, just that consistency has been missing a little bit, but that's often the last thing for these players to nail down. So um, he's had a really good start to the second half of the OHL season. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep that going. Um, so those are the big two with Musty being out. Uh, after that, probably you're looking at one of the defenders, maybe Oliver Bonk, Bo Aiki. Those two um, are going to be on display tonight. Bonk plays a very mature, sort of heady game strong at both ends. He's the son of uh, former NHL erratic bonk. And then Bo Icke is all upside. Uh, one of the best skaters, one of the best skaters available this year, extremely mobile defender, high upside in terms of a, uh, as a puck mover, as an offensive defender, 
defensive side of his game shows flashes, but it's been inconsistent. And uh, those two, plus the Richie Barlow connection with Musty being out, are the sort of main four I would look at. There's definitely some some other guys, but uh, from Ontario, I don't know if there's as many first line or first round potential targets as say the Dub this year. Okay, well, it's a great rundown on the uh, OHL guys. Uh, is there uh, players from the queue that you're familiar with that are going to be at this game that we should take note of? Yeah, I mean, Ethan Goche is a main one. I really liked what I saw from him at the Helen Gretzky Cup. Another one of those guys that seems to play uh, a projectable, safe pro game, right? Gets his way or, or gets into the middle of the ice between the hash marks. That seems to be where he's at home. I think that he's somebody who can play in transition, too. I think we saw that at the Helenka Gretzky Cup. You know, has room to grow as, as a puck handler and somebody who can build confidence in that area. Plays aggressively without the puck. Uh, he's somebody that I'm looking forward to seeing uh, at the event and hope he has, has a good game. Uh, it just doesn't seem like the strongest group from, from Quebec. Even our sort of Eastern scouts at McKean's are not as um, you know bullish on the crop from Quebec this year. I, I think it, it, it's even borderline as to whether they have a first-round pick. Goche, I think, is probably the best uh, case for that. But after that, you're looking at a group of other players like Matthew Cataford, Tyler Petal, Etienne Moran, uh, Jordan Turney. The, those look like more like second, third round guys this year from the queue, and that's sort of how our Eastern scouts see it too. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see maybe one of those guys steps up, has a really, really good performance tonight, and, and make scouts take notice. Uh, you know, we, it's, it's important to frame it in context too, right? It is only one event. Um, the way that I always see the top prospects game is – it's an opportunity for somebody to stand out, but not necessarily an opportunity for somebody to say, this is a terrible performance. You know, we're crossing them off our list. Right. Right. If a bad performance at the CHL top prospects game should not, you know, be all three strikes against you for uh, a potential draft selection. And if you're doing it that way, I think you're doing it wrong. I think it's just another piece of the puzzle. And sometimes you have players who play on a bad team in their CHL league and playing with other really good players in a different sort of environment brings out the best of them. And they have a really good game and it makes people sort of go back and look at them from a different lens, from a different perspective. I'll give you an example. So one guy from the, from Ontario that I'm really, really curious to see tonight is Kerry Terrence. And I think that he's playing on a bad team in Erie this year. He's among their leading scorers, but when you look at his production, it doesn't look very good. Right. But again, it's, it's not a great team. He has all the same qualities that some of the other high-end Ontario guys have this year, but he seems to be ranked more in that like late second, early third round range right now. But I see a kid that is a center with good speed, good scoring ability, good two-way ability, um, somebody that should be ranked higher, but we're obviously holding his performance and his consistency against him. So is he somebody that has a really good top prospects game? Makes people circle back to him saying, okay, you know, this is what that upside is when he's not playing in the environment he currently is, right? I understand that completely. Peyton Krebs was that guy for me in his draft year. He was playing on a very bad Kootenai Ice team at the time, and the Old Kings were really good. So every time he would come to Edmonton, he would do nothing because the Old Kings would dominate them. But it was at the top prospect game in Red Deer. I think he played with Arthur Kaliev and maybe Nick Robertson or something like that. And they were the best line in the game. And it was like, oh, suddenly he's got some talent around him and it brings out the best in him. Uh, and, and I agree with you. If a guy has a bad performance or doesn't stand out uh, in, in the top prospect game, it's a one game. Maybe he has an off night. But a guy who does stand out, uh, he, he deserves an extra look. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Krebs is a, is a perfect example. I remember that game uh, as well. And I remember how good that he looked. And I feel like that was sort of like the beginning of Krebs's push up. Yeah. the draft rankings. It was kind of like a, uh, I don't know, for lack of better phrase, like a come to Jesus moment, right? It was <laughs> like, uh, you know, it was like, oh, like this kid is really good. This is somebody that we should be looking at a little bit higher than we currently are. And um, that's what the event is designed for, I feel like. Yes, it's it's a networking event. It's, it's good for these kids to show off their skills. Um, there's a lot of different opportunities. There's the on-ice testing to see different things. Um, but at the end of the day, it's one event in the, in the scouting calendar. Um, you have to treat it as such. 
Uh, now, when it comes to the four goaltenders who are at this event, and I, I don't know how much you've seen of the three guys uh, who are from the WHL, but they're they're all having pretty good seasons. Then we got Charlie Robertson out of the OHL, but uh, Carson Bjarnason with the uh, Brandon Weekings, uh, as well as uh, the other two from the WHL in, in Scott Ratzloff, uh, who is the backup in uh, in Seattle with the Thunderbirds, but uh, he'd be a starter on most teams in this league. And uh, Jackson Unger from the Moose Jaw Warriors. Uh, who's got? Who, which goaltender are you looking forward to seeing the most here? Uh, definitely Bjarnason and Ratzlaff. Uh, I I like both of those guys a lot. I know our scouting team does too. Bjarnason's going to be. We're going to be releasing our um, midseason rankings at McKean's pretty soon, and Bjarnason's going to be in our first round. Uh, our Western scouts really really like him. The, from what I've seen of him, he definitely has, in my opinion, uh, starting upside at, at the NHL level, and I think he's. Somebody definitely to watch at this event and, and moving forward for the rest of the season. Being on a, a not terrific team this year in the WHL, he's probably looking at being Canada's starter at the under-18s eventually in, in April. Um, and that's going to be another really big event for him. Ratzlaff, like you said, is a starter on probably most WHL teams. The fact that he plays behind Thomas Millich obviously makes that very, very difficult for him. But he was fantastic at the Linka Gretzky Cup. Yeah, I mean, the only strike against Ratzlaff is that he's just not huge, right? Yep. Um, listed at, I believe he's listed at six one. He's probably a little bit less than that. Probably he looks a little bit closer to that like six foot range, and that's a big strike um, in today's day and age where scouts want their goalies to be big and mobile, right? But at, their first job is is stopping pucks, and we saw that with a guy like Devin Levi, right, who's now emerged as one of the top goaltending prospects on the planet, and he's around that same size, right? Uh, and Ratzlaff is somebody that I've always been drawn to because he tracks the play really well. He's super athletic. And, and those types of qualities, they, they project well. Um, there's a little bit less of margin for error for these smaller goaltenders, but it's not impossible. I mean, UC Saros is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL right now, and he is not a big guy. Um, there's lots of goalies in the NHL that are under that like six two six one range that are playing really well, and I don't think that we should be discounting them as quickly as we do. So uh, Garnison and Ratzlaff are, are definitely the two that um, I'm most intrigued to see. But at the same time, um, seeing Unger and Charlie Robertson play, it, it's going to be great because um, goaltenders sometimes are guys, unless they're the big ones like a Bjarnason or a Ratzlaff. It's almost like a slow burn, I feel like, from, from a scouting perspective, because a guy like Robertson, for example, is the backup in North Bay this year, mm -hmm. and he doesn't play a lot. Anytime that I've seen North Bay this year, it's been uh, Dominic DiVincensis. And so that means that I, I just haven't seen Charlie Robertson play other than watching a little bit of video. And I bet you there's quite a few scouts that are sort of on that same wavelength. So if he has a really good tournament, or not a good turn, if he has a really good performance tonight, I mean, it's another one of those situations where you circle back and, and you hope to catch him again and you watch some more video of his performances. Um, I, I kind of go back to last year, Ivan Zagalov was fantastic in the top prospects game, and he was somebody that I didn't really know a lot about prior to that event. Obviously, he ended up being, uh, I think he was Mr. Ir Irrelevant last year at the draft. He was the last right. pick in the seventh round, but he was projected to go a lot higher, so it's definitely a, a good showcase for the goaltenders, especially guys who maybe aren't playing as much as they should because they're on strong teams or, or in a platoon role. So it, they're the hardest to scout for a reason. Yeah, I was wondering about Robertson because his numbers aren't great. And you're right, he's only played 14 games, but an 881 save percentage and a 342 goals against doesn't exactly shout out CHL top prospect. Yeah, but if you look back, right, like, I think back to, say, Matt Murray. There, there's a good example that's fresh in my mind from the OHL. Uh, his numbers in his draft year were, were atrocious. Hmm. Um, and he, he ended up going to the U18s, had a fantastic U18s where he was Canada's starter, and ended up getting drafted in, I believe it was the third round. And he's had a fantastic NHL career, has a couple cups under his name. Um, obviously, injuries have kind of derailed some things. But um, overall, you'd be very happy getting Matt Murray in a couple of Stanley Cups in the third round or second round or wherever you pick somebody like that. Right. Um, so again, that's why goaltenders are, are so difficult because you've got to look at the bigger picture. Like do, does this goalie have projectable skills? 
And Charlie Robertson is a guy that does. He's, he's kind of got a similar build to Matt Murray, big, lanky, um, kind of plays a little bit of like a hybrid style, uh, but is also aggressive in challenging shooters and has some very pro-like qualities. And consistency is, is one thing that he needs to work on. And an event like this gives you an opportunity to see what he can do under pressure. Anybody that we haven't mentioned yet that uh, you're looking forward to seeing in this game and uh, thinking they might uh, steal the show? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I mean, we, we haven't talked about Connor Bedard, and I feel like we probably should. <laughs> okay. um, and and you know what? It, it's a great opportunity to see him play again and against other players at a really high level. You know, I, and I know we talk about as a scouting community at the World Junior, it's, it's Bedard, it's Bedard, it's Bedard. But he truly is an exceptional talent. And I'm always curious to see how a player can continue to rise uh, above even high expectations and the expectations on Bedard are very very high at this event and I mean if you look at the rosters um, and you look at how they're composed you've got Bedard on a team and they have absolutely loaded the defensive group on the other team across from Bedard um, that was the first thing that jumped out jumped out at me when I looked at the rosters for tonight's game is um, you know they've got Bedard and on the other side that's where they put the strongest defensive group. So I, I want to see, uh, you know, how he reacts tonight, how he plays. Obviously, if he if he lays a goose egg, it's not the end of the world. Uh, and I'm sure people are going to say, oh, you know, Bedard is not this exceptional talent because there's always people who put too much weight on an event like this. But me personally, I, I, again, it's another opportunity to see Connor play. Um, and I really enjoy watching him play, obviously. And I want to see how he, he rises to the expectations. I mean, a non sort of cliched answer uh, would be probably somebody like Zach Benson. I really have liked my viewings of, of Benson previously, and he's somebody that is sneaking his way up the draft board. I feel like he's kind of working his way into that like top seven, top eight range for a lot of people. And this is a good event for him to sort of go head to head with Connor Bedard and say, you know, like I'm, I'm worthy of being a, a potential franchise player, too. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll watch for that. And I understand what you're saying about Bedard uh, for sure. I I think there was a little almost Bedard fatigue watching the World Junior because everything was just Bedard, Bedard, Bedard. And I think people were starting to get a little tired of it. And then he goes out and has, you know, that overtime winner against Slovakia and stuff like that. And you just have to yeah. tip your cap to him and say, yes, we might be you know, hyping him so much, but he is living up to the hype and probably exceeding it at the same time. Yeah, I mean, a spade's a spade, right? Like, uh, you and I have gone and covered the CHL for a really long time, and we've seen our share of, of players who had that sort of exceptional label, you know, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid. Yep. And honestly, like, some people might look at it as fatigue, but I look at it as intrigue. Uh, I'm always curious to see these players play at this level because you're not going to see them at this level for much longer, right? Um, Bedard's going to be in the NHL next year, no doubt. Um, so enjoy it while you can at this level, right? Exactly. Brock, I know you got a busy schedule. I appreciate you uh, shoehorning uh, the Pipeline Show into your, uh, into your timetable. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. That's Brock Otten from McKean's Hockey with a preview of the CHL Top Prospect game. My intention was then I would have somebody to do a recap of the game, uh, but that was one of the interviews that fell through. But it ended up being a 4-2 final for Team White. Colby Barlow was uh, named the MVP. Notice that uh, all four goal scorers for Team White, and actually five of the six goal scorers in the game, actually four, were from the Ontario Hockey League. Matthew Cataford from the uh, Halifax Mooseheads, and Zach Benson of the Winnipeg Ice, the other goal scorer. No points in the game for Connor Bedard. Not that that's going to matter. Callum Ritchie had two points. Uh, Carson Rakoff had two points as well. If you saw the game, let me know what you thought. I think all four goaltenders showed well, although Charlie Robertson's numbers are, were the uh, poorest of the four goaltenders. Two goals on 13 shots. But I thought all of them had their moments. I think Scott Ratzlaff uh, probably... Had the best game of the four, staring down 25 shots, uh, getting beat just the once. But what were your takeaways? So let me know on Twitter, at TPS underscore Gee. Next up, well, I called in a favor, and uh, we're going to hear a conversation between the voice of the Red Deer Rebels and the associate GM of the Red Deer Rebels. 
That's going to be Troy Gillard in conversation with Sean Sutter. Now, they had this conversation right before the trade deadline in the CHL, but the bulk of the conversation is about uh, their system and about the prospects on the way. Uh, so a timely conversation with Sean Sutter via Troy Gillard. That is up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, this is Ben King of the Red Deer Rebels. Puts it on goal, scores! Ben King tipped it home, and the Rebels win it 4-3 in overtime. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh, my. Hey, welcome back to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We're going to do something a little different in this particular segment. Uh, as I mentioned in the opening segment of the show, I had a couple of uh, late cancellations for guests this week. So I called in a favor, and uh, Troy Gillard, the voice of the Red Deer Rebels, uh, supplied me with a little bit of audio as he had a conversation recently with the assistant GM of the uh, Red Deer Rebels. That would be Sean Sutter, during which they talk about uh, a number of the prospects for the Rebels that are in their system. And being a prospect show, it's a nice fit. Uh, So I wanted to share that with you in lieu of a couple of uh, late cancellations uh, for guests. So we'll have one more segment after this one. That will be a 2023 draft spotlight with uh, potentially a top 10 pick in Ryan Leonard from the U.S. National Development Program. But for the next little bit, enjoy this conversation between Troy Gillard and Sean Sutter the assistant GM of the Red Deer Rebels. Here with Rebels Associate General Manager Sean Sutter. And Sean, obviously busy times right now for you. And and one way, obviously, to get better going forward is to have a a strong group of prospects. And uh, it certainly seems across the board, whether it's uh, up front or on the blue line or or between the pipes overall, uh, Sean, the the pipeline is in, in real good shape right now. Yeah, you know, we've tried to build it up over the past few years. And, you know, I think we've done that. You can see that on our team right now. I mean, we're we're definitely not an old old team by any stretch. I think we have four 19-year-old players after we acquired Merrick Schneider. So uh, we're still very much a young team. So that bodes well for the future. Um, you know, and like like any team, you know, you, you like your young players coming up. And, you know, those players need to do well in midget and, you know, thrive there in order to prove that they can play or knock at the door at our level. So, you know, I know with our goaltending, we've been happy with that. You know, Chase Wutsky has, you know, come as advertised. You know, he's a good goalie. He played well at the under-17 for Canada. And he's having a real good year with the contacts. And, you know, hopefully it will be a driving force for them for a long playoff run. And then Taylor Tabashnak and Matthew Condro both have, uh, you know, great numbers in midget hockey, you know, on good teams in their respective leagues and levels. So, you know, we're excited about those guys too. So on the goaltending front, you know, we're pretty happy with that. Um, you know, when you go through and look at the D, you know, we signed Derek Thurston. We have Quinton Bourne on our team right now. Um, you know, Derek's having a good year with Lloyd and we're excited about him. And there's a few other younger players, Tate Talinsky, Reese Galt, Quinton Flores. Um, you know, obviously Luke Fluswick was our first round pick and is having a good year with the Buffs and, you know, Calgary Buffaloes and uh, they're the best team in Alberta. So, you know, it's good to have our guys having good seasons on the back end. You need goalies, you need D and um, you know, up front at Ford as well that, you know, Ole Josen is on our team now and obviously a very good player. But, you know, Evan Smith is, you know, had a, you know, he's been healthy for the whole year after being injured last year for most of the year. And, you know, is having a good year for Yale, um, along with uh, Esquist Burlock and Zane Saab with uh, the Edmonton Oilers program. So, you know, we're happy about those guys and our younger guys, Jeremiah Roberts and Matthew Gard, you know, are having good years and those are signed players and guys we're excited about. And, you know, Steven Steranko was a late round pick who's playing for the Regina Pack Canadians, who's having a great year as well. So, you know, there's always going to be guys that we don't discuss at this time. You know, I don't remember talking about Reese, you know, Reese Johnson or um, Brandon Hagel or some of the guys that, 
you know, they really rise or even RSG Baines for that matter that, um, you know, before they come in and, you know, come and play for us and kind of be something. So, you know, it's going to change in the second half a lot too. Um, so we're excited to see how guys progress and improve through all that. Chatting with Red Deer Rebels Associate General Manager Sean Sutter, you, you talked about the goaltenders and, uh, you know, you mentioned Chase Witzke in there and uh, he's been able to spend a, a little bit of time uh, around the Rebels this season. When you combine that with his outstanding play with the, the contacts so far this year, uh, how valuable is that towards his long-term development? Yeah, I think it's really important when these guys can come up and see the pace and compete at our level. I mean, with the goaltenders, obviously it's the shots. You know, there's a different level of shooters, you know, at our level compared to midget hockey. Um, you know, so it's excellent for Chase to come and do that and just kind of get in the routine and habits of, you know, you know, whether it's the, the daily workouts or the meetings or whatever, but just get in the whole routine that happens with our team and our coaching staff. Um, you know, obviously these kids get good coaching at, at the midget level, but, you know, we do feel with Steve and our staff that, you know, we have excellent coaching so that when the players get into it, you know, all of a sudden their performance and their uh, development, uh, you know, goes to another level. So, um, you know, we've tried to supplement not only Chase's development, but other players in our team by bringing them into practice and everything like that. And, you know, to hopefully prepare them for the future. Canada Winter Games coming up in uh, in just a few weeks out on the, the East Coast. And uh, you mentioned Luke Vluswick. He's going to play for Alberta. And the Rebels have three prospects uh, playing for Team Manitoba. So uh, a nice chance for those guys to play best on best in their age group coming up here in just a few weeks. Yeah, we're lucky. We have Luke Vluswick. We have Matthew Gard, Tate Delinsky, and Reese Galt all participating. So, uh, you know, that'll be a great experience for those guys. You know, again, it's another event with the way it's situated, you know, in uh, February where, you know, they have the development with their teams. Um, some players have had the benefit to come in and practice with us. But I think it's another thing, you know, coming out of COVID with these kids not playing a lot of games. Um, it's a great opportunity for these these players to, you know, play against better competition, no different than, you know, you see players playing right now in the World Junior Tournament and kind of how that can be a big stepping stone for those players. So, um, you know, hopefully our guys can use that tournament, you know, the same way um, and have real, you know, good playoff runs with their teams after. And finally, Sean, uh, you mentioned both of the, the American prospects that uh, the Rebels have. One currently with the club, obviously, with Quentin Bourne on defense. And then Jeremiah Roberts, a promising forward out of Colorado. Just uh, what have you been able to glean from his play throughout the year this year? Yeah, Jeremiah's played well. Uh, you know, it's been, um, you know, with the team he plays on, you know, there's been some ups and downs. But, you know, we really believe that Jeremiah will, you know, be a good player for us down the future. And, um, you know, it's so rare to have, there's not a lot of U.S. players in our, you know, you know, in our league. So to have Quinton on our team, and we really think he's going to be a real good uh, defenseman in our league and, you know, bring, you know, kind of have an offensive prowess to him. And, you know, Jeremiah has got a lot of speed and, you know, plays real hard and has some skills. So, you know, we're looking forward to maybe, uh, you know, he, with the way the rules are, USA hockey rules, he can't come up and play games as a 15 year old, but we're, we're looking forward to him coming in and practicing and being around our team when his season concludes too. So I think that'll be good to set him up for, you know, hopefully a, a you know, a good training camp next year as well. But um, yeah, you know, the U S thing is, uh, you know, something that I think it's evolving and our, the Western hockey league is doing a good job promoting, uh, you know, we have a, we have the new draft format and, you know, there's, there's more and more players signing in our league. So hopefully that's something that uh, will continue to grow more and more in, you know, uh, you know, for a whole league, you know, gives the league better coverage. And once you get a few guys, you know, it seems like you get more, it opens the door that, you know, the other U.S. players see that, oh, you have this player or that player. Um, and then it seems to really open that avenue for them to look at it more and more. So we're hoping that can be the same with us. Always exciting to open new pipelines for talent in the not only Rebels organization, but the, the entire league as a whole, like you say. Sean, thanks very much for doing this. I appreciate you taking the time as always. Thanks, Troy. Here's the associate GM of the Red Deer Rebels. That was Sean Sutter in conversation with the voice of the uh, Rebels, uh, Mr. Troy Gillard. Uh, thanks to Troy for supplying me with that audio here on uh, Friday on short notice uh, to get it into this episode. I really, really appreciate that. All right, we got one more segment to go this week. And as I mentioned, a 2023 draft spotlight, a potential top 10 pick. Ryan Leonard is his name, plays for the National Development Program in the States, the U18 squad. He's headed to Boston College, uh, but he's having a terrific season. Let's get to know him next via the Troubled Monk Hotline. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Adam Fantilli. 
Spins a pass though. Sam Oskevich up high, scores! The Sting ran over time, up high. Pierce is won by Corpy and Chicago wins a thriller. Four to three, Mackie Samoskevich, welcome back, Stingray. Hey, this is Mackie Samoskevich from the Chicago Steel, and this is the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goal. He scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious me. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I got a bad feeling about this. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show, and we're going to end this week's episode with a 2023 draft spotlight and get to know another player that is eligible for the next NHL draft. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Because my guest is ahead to the college route, uh, we're going to call it an NCAA campus report. And those are brought to you by our friends at College Hockey Inc. If you're a player or you know one or you have one in your family, they need to know what they can and can't do to maintain their eligibility. College Hockey Inc. is a great resource for that. Uh, get in contact with uh, Mike Snee or anybody else over there or check out their website at collegehockeyinc.com. Today, my guest uh, comes to us uh, from uh, Plymouth, Michigan as uh, the U.S. National Development Program based there, and uh, he is one of the standout players with uh, Team USA's U18 squad. Ryan Leonard is my guest. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? All right, good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Pleasure to get a chance to speak with you, and I appreciate you uh, fitting this interview into your schedule because I know I'm I'm sure you're doing a lot of interviews this year. You're having a terrific season. The, the program, as always, producing a lot of players for the NHL draft. How are things going uh, this year in your opinion? Yeah, I think um, the team's done an outstanding job. I think last year in our U17 year, uh, we had a lot of ups and downs, more downs than ups uh, for sure. But I think this year for sure we got off to a great start and we've kept the momentum going into the second half of the year. When you describe last year as having ups and downs, is that in terms of wins and losses or other challenges? It was basically the first full year back since all the COVID stuff really uh, so were there some kinks in the system to work out in that regard, or were you just talking about wins and losses? No, I I was just referring to wins and losses there. Uh, so what's changed this year? Why do you think you guys have uh, turned that corner and, and really come together? Um, I think our group has just become a lot closer. Um, at the end of your season last year, after the games were all complete, you stay here for six weeks, and hmm. you work your tail off for those six weeks and I think just that being together every single day in the weight room pushing each other not only on the ice but most certainly off the ice I think just spending countless hours with them and just being closer and those six weeks honestly made us better players so I think just last year at the end of the year is just like a new complete mindset that our team brought ourselves into this year. Well, and it seems to have translated for sure onto the ice and into uh, the uh, the performances you guys are having. For yourself this year, you have 50 points right now in 32 games uh, as we're chatting. Get ready for this weekend's action, but 24 of those points are goals. Interesting split, 24 goals, 26 assists. Do you see yourself more as a shooter or a setup guy? Uh, definitely a shooter. All right. Do you find that the people tell you you need to shoot more? Uh, no, I don't think so at all. Uh, your uh, line mates, have they changed uh, throughout the course of the season, or have you been playing with the same couple of guys for uh, for most of the year? Uh, I've been playing with Will Smith and Gabe Perot the past however many months we've been here, but this weekend we've switched the lineup a little bit. The lines are looking a little bit different. We're looking for more support throughout the whole lineup, so we've mixed a couple guys up and we're looking for a full team win all right so i mean you and those two guys top three scorers on the team so trying to spread the offense around a little bit is that yeah. the, the mindset all right yeah yeah that's the goal did you play with those two last year as well um no i did not i played last year is kind of weird with the u17 year you would switch up lines you'd switch up your role okay basically a lot and then 
towards the end of the year, I was fortunate enough to play at the U18, so I was playing on a different line then. All right. Uh, well, what's the biggest step in terms of development for you since you arrived at the program? How is how is Ryan Leonard a different player today than you were, say, 18 months ago? Um, I think I'm more confident in my game. I think you come into the program and everybody else thinks you're the skilled forward who is going to be the top scorer. But I think over time here, everybody has to buy into the role. And we're all picked on this team for one reason. And we all have our certain roles. And I think just over time, learning my identity and what I'm capable of, I think the past 18 months have definitely helped for sure. He's Ryan Leonard, plays for the U.S. National Development Program uh, with the U18 squad this season, draft-eligible player. And, Ryan, that's what this segment of the show is all about, is getting to know somebody that's draft-eligible like you are. Uh, the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular audience will, you'll be on their radar already, but uh, there will be some casual NHL fans who listen to this just because you're a draft-eligible player and have no idea anything about the program or, or junior and college hockey. So for the benefit of those people, uh, let's maybe get some background. Uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, I was from, I'm from Amherst, Massachusetts. I uh, grew up there my whole life. Uh, who got you into hockey, and do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? Um, I don't remember the first time I started playing hockey, but it was definitely at a young age for sure. And probably I'd want to say my brother got me into hockey. That'd be John. He's a few years older than you. What, like five, six years older than you are? Uh, yeah, six and a half. Now, I have a, uh, an older brother. I'm a younger brother myself. So I, I, when I was a kid, it was just whatever he's doing, I want to tag along and, and follow in his footsteps. So some of that come into play here for you as well? Yeah, I think. I like to follow in John's footsteps, but I also like to pick my own path and kind of create my own spotlight, if you will. Yeah, and I and I see that with the, your choices of uh, of NCAA programs, which he went to UMass, and a lot of people would kind of, of expect you to do that as well, but that is not the program for you. You're going to Boston College. Uh, why Boston College? And uh, certainly... Uh, a storied program and have produced a ton of NHL players over the years. Uh, but why was it the right fit for you? Um, it's always been a dream of mine for since I was a little kid watching the bean pot. So seeing how like special that those two weeks are with your whole school behind your back at TD garden. I think those are just special moments that not a lot of people get to go to. And I think just that really grabbed my attention, but I love being in Boston, being in the city. I think it's just cool atmosphere. But then it's just a matter of what school I wanted to go to, and BC felt like home for me. And as a kid watching the Bean Pot, was were you always cheering for the Eagles, or did you find Harvard or Northeastern or or BU uh, also a a team to cheer for at a young age? It didn't matter. I was just watching it to have fun. Okay, so it was more about the hockey itself and not a specific yeah. team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to uh, do? You know what you're going to major in and, and things like that from a, an academic perspective? Um, I think I'm majoring in communications. Uh, and you'll go next year to Boston College. You don't have a, a year in between or anything yeah. like that. Step right in next year. No, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go in next year. Okay, and I know one of your line mates. Well, the, one of the uh, line mates up to this point uh, this year in Will Smith. I think he's going to Boston College as, as well. Correct. Yeah, and Gabe Pro too. Oh, is he? I see. I just looked that up, and it didn't give me a a, a school of choice. So all three of you go in Boston College. That's uh, that's pretty terrific. Uh, yeah, nice when you take that next step, and there's familiar faces, let alone guys that you've had a ton of success with. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely special to be going in with them next year. And then we have one more forward, Will Vote, and then we have two defensemen. On our team, Drew Forrest, you and Aaron Manettian, too. So wow. it's definitely pretty cool to go into a special place like BC with a couple of guys you're already really familiar with. Well, that's a whole line, and including defensemen. Wow. Uh, who mm-hmm. who committed first, and, and did uh, the rest of you kind of uh, contribute to uh, you know recruiting the other guys? Uh, are you talking about on the line or just all in general? Well, all of you. I mean, you said there's five or six of you going. I imagine one or two of you started to uh, yeah. maybe encourage a little bit the other guys to, to tag along? Uh, so before we got here to NCDP, um, me, Drew Fortescue, and Aaron Manettian committed on the first day that we could. Mm-hmm. So we all knew that we wanted to. And then Will Vote committed 
probably 15, 20 days later, he was just kind of up in the air, couldn't really make his mind up where he wanted to go. Right. Um, and then Will Smith was originally committed to Northeastern. He didn't feel like that was right for him. And he switched to BC probably last time before Christmas sometime. And then Gabe committed earlier this year. All right. Uh, when you look at the, the game schedule for you this season, now you, you're playing a little bit in the U, in the USHL. You play a bunch of Division One opponents. And then you have that international component. I know you got to host the, the, the big event back in November, and you're about ready to go to, over to Finland here in a couple of weeks. Is there one aspect of that that uh, excites you more? Is it the international or the, the Division One opponents or the USHL schedule? I think the international for sure. Yeah, so uh, these games that you're going over to play in Finland, the, these have been circled on your calendar from the start of the year? Yeah, I think always representing your country every single day is definitely something special. But when you can put on your jersey against a guy that's wearing your rival country, it's, it just amps you up a little bit more and gets you a little bit excited, more excited for the game. No, for some players, it's a rare occasion they get to wear their national colors. You get to do it every night. It, does it lose anything because it's, it's just commonplace for you? I mean, you've been doing it for two years now. No, it. If you, I mean, sometimes you get lost in the moment, but if you just sit and like you're in reality, like wow, I'm representing the United States on a daily basis. This is something special, and not a lot of people do. So, can't take anything for granted and enjoy the moment. Ryan, how much do you think about the uh, the NHL draft? Uh, I mentioned that's coming up for you. This summer, and I know I, I have a lot of players on this show over the course of a season, and a lot of them will tell me they don't want to think about the draft. They don't want it to be a distraction. But there are other guys who tell me they want to know who's got them ranked where, and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you? I think it's a little bit in between, honestly. I'm I'm not a guy who likes to read articles or anything like that about myself or where I'm ranked. But at the end of the day, it's it's a goal that I've had for a while, and I think this year, just making the most of my draft year and having fun with it, I think that's just the mindset I'm going in with, and hopefully it'll pay off. Well, and everybody, I mean, it's not going to be a surprise to you. Everybody seems to have you as a, a probable first-round pick, maybe even top 10. Uh, and not just you, but also Gabe and, and Will. Do you guys talk about that at all? Is there any like friendly rivalry or competition that you guys just kind of motivate each other that way? No, I think it's just, I mean, not with me. I'm not really a talker about the draft. Um, I don't know about Gabe and Will, but um, I tend to keep it to myself and just like to stay humble and keep working. All right. I asked you at the start about the the, the uh, shots versus playmaking. Uh, you said you're a shooter. Uh, is there – there's got to be more to your game than that, though. Uh, when you describe yourself as a player to other people, how do you, how do you kind of give us a self-scouting report? Uh, power forward, love to play physical and uh, compete. My, I love to compete and I love to win every single night. So I'll give it everything I got. Ryan, what do you like to do away from hockey? Uh, right now, play some Xbox, hang out with some got with the guys in the team, just stay busy, get my mind off of hockey. Particular Xbox game that uh, is your go-to? Um, probably NHL or Fortnite, probably. Okay, so even when you're not on the ice playing hockey, you're playing uh, hockey uh, uh, off the ice on yeah. the console. That's funny. And yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, so just have fun with it. Be a kid. Are you a movie guy? Uh, yeah, I like to watch movies. I also like to watch shows, too. Just stay busy, do something. All right, if somebody wanted to, to get a movie recommendation or a, a series to get into, what would you point them towards? Uh, I would definitely go towards the series, and I would say the money heist. On Netflix. Money heist, all right. Yeah. Well, Ryan, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season with the program and uh, at the U18. Uh, and maybe we'll chat again once you're at uh, BC. All right, sounds good. Here's Ryan Leonard from Team USA, the U18 squad with the National Development Program and uh, another top-quality uh, crop of players uh, coming out of the program again this year. In fact, we might have another one of them on the show next week right before they leave for Finland. So uh, I'm not going to mention the name, but fingers crossed that that comes through. And uh, then actually when they come back from Finland, might have the other player. There's a couple of guys that I've requested, as well as well a third one that I'm going to save a little bit 
uh, later, closer to the World U18s. And with that, that is going to wrap up this week's episode. I know it's a short episode this week. I apologize for that. Sometimes uh, it's my fault. Sometimes it's not my fault. And this one kind of out of my control as a couple of late cancellations uh, left me in the lurch a little bit. But next week, uh, hopefully, as I mentioned, the one at least 2023 draft spotlight segment. And we'll get back on track after that as well. Thanks to everyone who's uh, signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show where you can hear all the interviews in a full episode. You get them early, usually the same day, usually like an hour maybe after the interview itself has happened. So if that sounds like something that you would enjoy, then flex your early access perk and uh, sign up to be a patron as well. A couple of bucks a month or about 22 bucks a year uh, because you get a 10% discount uh, for signing up for an annual basis. All of that at thepipelineshow.com. All right, between now and next week, get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that we can talk about it right here on The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name is Guy Flaming. Until next week, everybody. See ya. Yeah.